had an amazing, we're going to leave tomorrow, as I've said, and we've had, a, we've had an amazing six months. And what I want to do tonight is kind of just, just quickly track back over six months and some significant things that God's done. And uh, who was there this weekend at the, at the Dreams Conference? Just raise your hands quickly. A few of us. A few of us. That's nice. And, um, you know, those moments like last weekend with Paul and Adam, they need to kind of be exegeted a little. They kind of, you can't just have a moment like that and just move on. Okay, what's next? You've got to kind of treasure those moments. You've got to see what God's saying, see what God's doing. And I want to take a few minutes to do that. And then I want to take us to Luke chapter 5, uh, which is a word that Paul brought in the morning uh, last Sunday. And I, I really feel, and I mean, he felt that that was the word, that was the season we're in. And I really witnessed with that. And so I'd love us to unpack that tonight. But first of all, I want to, I want to, I want to look at the last six months. If I look at the last six months, We've been talking about the Joshua series. We've been talking about taking ground, not holding ground. That we're an advancing group of people, not uh, retreating and definitely not just standing still people group, group of people. We want to be advancing in the things of God, stepping forward, maturing, having, knowing Jesus deeper tomorrow than what we did yesterday. And we want that to be real. We, that's not just a catchphrase. We actually really want to follow Jesus in a growing relationship with Him where we know more intimately are stepping out more profoundly and really stepping into what God has for us. And we don't want to be the same. We want to be changing. We want to be ever moving with Him. And uh, if we have a look back, we had an amazing moment in May with Tyron where we ordained five new eldership couples. Friends, on the ordination of leadership, of eldership, is a significant moment in the life of the church because actually what God is doing by adding, adding people to that team is He's increasing the capacity of the church to grow. He's, in, he's saying, actually, what you need is I need, you to, I need to give you more people and some people that are there need to go, but actually I need to give you more people so that God, I can take you into what you have, what I have for you. And so that was a really significant moment and actually it was a profound moment with Tyron. And if you remember Tyron Daniel at that time, if you were there in the morning, he spoke about, are you all in? He spoke about, are you all in? Are we all in Christians? Or are we kind of one foot in and the one foot out Christians? Are we all in? Are we all in with our, with our finances? Are we all in with our hearts? Are we all in with our minds? Are we all in with our priorities? Are we all in? And I want to remind us of that tonight. That was a word that came to us from somebody that knows us but comes with a word charged for us saying, Are you all in, Glenridge Church? And I want to remind us tonight of that question, Are you all in? He also spoke about how God weighs, He doesn't count. It's not about the numbers of people, it's about the weight of people, weight of glory of people. Let me just clarify that, otherwise I'm doing pretty well. It's about the weight of Jesus. It's the, the weightiness of the disciples that matters, not the number of disciples that matters. Because it's the weightiness of the presence of God, of the glory of God in our lives that actually makes more disciples. And I want to remind us tonight about how weighted are you in God? Are you all in? Are you growing in your ability to carry the glory, the weighty presence of God with us? The next, time, next person that we had, and also it was in the morning, we, was that we had a moment with Jean Guthrie. That was unexpected. 
was unplanned, just happened to be that she was in town and we kind of knew people that knew people and we got her in. And she spoke about the baptism in the Holy Spirit. And she released the baptism in the Holy Spirit. And she reminded us again about the gift of tongues and how important that is to the believer. And I want to remind us again, if we look back at what God's been doing with us as a community, friends, these are not just meetings we do on a Sunday. God is transitioning us and transforming us as a community, not just as individuals. And so you look back, you say, Jean, what did you say to us? She said this, the baptism of the Holy Spirit is essential for what you're wanting to do in Christ. It's not an optional extra to be filled with the Holy Spirit so that you may have boldness to witness. That we can become good witnesses. And she reminded us of the gift of, the, of tongues, which in most of the time in the, in the, in the, in the Acts, it was, came with the baptism in the Holy Spirit. It's a gift. The gift of tongues is there to build you up and to edify you and to get you connecting with God. Even though your mind might be unfruitful, it says your spirit is fruitful. And we've got to remember these things. And we've got to say, God, where are we with that? Because when, when, when we emphasize that, Drew preached on it a couple of weeks ago. When we emphasize that, we go into the week and we start praying in tongues because, God, I need to pray in tongues more. And then three weeks later, it's like, yeah. But actually, is this a priority? Is our deepening relationship with God a priority in our lives? Because part of what that means is praying in tongues. Not just praying in tongues, actually reading the scriptures and praying in tongues, being with God. And I trust, I trust for you that is a growing revelation in your heart. We also at that time, and, and we also this weekend, we had Adam and Paul in. They, they were a different package. Jean was a different package to what we used to. She looked different. She was a nearly 80-year-old woman who was, very, was a businesswoman, a very prim, proper, eloquent woman but release the fire of God. Adam and Paul come, two Aussies, one really carrying the weightiness of God, and another not so much, but really two profound gifts that come in and actually stir us up and get us looking up and actually making us aware of a realm that is actually invisible but is real, of the heavenly host of God that's working and partnering with us. And releasing prophetic, releasing prophetic words, speaking about dreams and visions and angels and all sorts of things that you start thinking, whoa, what are we doing here? But a, a completely different package again. Friends, can I say that God is going to send us many different packages with a message? Don't miss the message because we don't like the package. Don't miss the message because we don't like the style. It's not coincidence that they, these, these people are coming through. It's actually God taking us into more and asking us to step into more and stretching us into more. One of the, one of the stretching moments for me was the Sunday night offering, if you were there. Completely not Glenridge style, completely not Mile style. And in fact, Paul, uh, uh, Adam came to me after and said, so sorry, Stan, I completely messed it up. But actually the point of the offering was this, and I say this on purpose because there is a connection here. We weren't going to take up an offering on that Sunday night. But Adam came and said, you know what, I really feel prophetically that there's a link between finances and your heart seeking for more of God. 
Because you know what? There's this God and mammon option. And actually, if you can get free from money and free from mammon, actually your heart's probably in a pretty good place. And actually, he said, that actually what we need to do is we need people to sow and as a condition of their heart to, to reveal something so that we can step into more prophetically. And then he said, and by the way, the, man, the, op, the, the, the finances are not for me. It's actually for you. Came out completely wrong. But God was trying to show us something and teach us something in that moment. Because actually there is something to do with finances. Friends, the Spirit of God is going to come upon a generous people. And the Spirit of God comes, He makes us a generous people. There's a, there's a connection between finances and what God wants to do. You see it in, you see it in Malachi. There's an outpouring of finances in the Spirit of God. In Joel, outpouring of finances and the Spirit of God comes. Adam and Paul came with a message telling us that there was more. That God had, had set Durban up for a significant move of God. Friends, I don't know how many people have said that. Tons, I mean, I don't know how many people over the last two or three years, word after word after word, there's something pregnant in Durban that God wants to give birth to something. There's something significant in, in Durban that God wants to do. Not just in Glenridge, but actually in Durban. And in the light of that, Paul he made that connection by this, by a, a, a relationship that he had with a man, Paul Cain, who was a very, very significant prophet numbers of years ago, and he recently died. And Paul had a pers- Paul, uh, Adam had a personal relationship with Paul Cain, and Paul Cain was a son, uh, in the, a spiritual son of a man called William Branham. Paul Cain fell morally was an, when I say prophetic, unbelievably prophetic voice, like accurate prophetic, presence of God, holiness, prophetic voice, but fell morally. And so it was kind of under a cloud the, the latter half of his life. William Branham had very significant meetings in Durban, 1951 at the race course, where, where literally they would drive truckloads of crutches and wheelchairs out of the race course with the people with the healing and, the, the, and just salvation after salvation that happened in that move of God. William Branham himself, on the, in the second half of his life, or the latter part of his life, also went out theologically, went off theologically. theologically. And in fact, there's now a sect called the Branhamites. But, but God used these two men profoundly in this gift and actually there was this outpouring, almost like a mini revival that happened in Durban over those times when thousands of people got saved and thousands of people got healed. Literally thousands, if you read the accounts. And what Paul sensed is he said, it's no coincidence that I knew Paul, uh, Adam said, he said, it's no coincidence that I know Paul Cain and Paul Cain knew, knew William Branham and William Branham was in Durban. God wants to unlock something significant of the order of magnitude that William Branham saw. That was the connection. Please don't get confused about impartations and all sorts of things. The language is, is confusing. Actually, friends, what happens is when God unlocks something, there's an anointing that goes with it to unlock it and, and unblock wells. And actually what we prayed for on Sunday night was that actually God will anoint His people 
would impart to his people what we need for this season to see what God wants to do in the order of magnitude of William Branham. Friends, we don't get somebody else's anointing. They can't give you their anointing. What their anointing can do is unlock faith in you to receive from God what you need in, in your moment. But God's marked this city. Mark, God has marked this city for revival, friends. And can we dare to believe that? Can we dare to say, God, please, and get hungry enough that actually we see it become a reality? I believe we should. I believe we should. If I look back at that time, God's at it this weekend, we realize that God really does want to do something significant. We also know this, is that dreams, visions, and the angelic are modes of speaking to us that God gives us. The point is not dreams, visions, and the angelic. If you get to be somebody that sees angels and can see angels, there's some people that can. And remember, friends, angels are not kind of weird New Ages for New Ages. We've got to take that back from the New Age is. Because actually the church often is more demonic-focused or uh, sensitive than what we are to the angelic. And the angels outnumber the demons, number one. And number two, that is the way God uses and spreads his word. When the word of God comes, he sends his, his, his host to come and ensure that it becomes a reality in our lives. We'll teach on that at some stage. But the point of dreams, visions, and angels is God is speaking to us. It's great to have those moments, a dream that we realize God's spoken. My question is this, what are we doing with what God spoke? The question is our responsibility, friends, is to hear what God's saying and do it. So we come away from a weekend where God's stirring us and ushering us and taking us into more. Friends, the presence of God is going to fall on people that are obedient, that are willing to prioritize God's voice at the expense of everything else in their lives. And I want to encourage us that when God speaks to us in a dream and when God speaks to us in a vision, or when some angelic thing happens, that actually we realize what God's doing and we do it, friends. We do it. We step into it. Take responsibility for that word and do it. If I think about the weekend, I had a, I was saying to the, to the elders the other day, it's almost like I've had a reborn experience around the issue of prayer. Friends, for us to see what God wants to do in Durban, We've got to be a people of prayer. No revival ever happened without a group of people praying. Ever. Ever. You see, prayer, the priority of prayer in our lives, intimacy with God in our lives, actually exhibits a heart that's for God, that's saying, God, I want you more than anything else. Lord, I'll prioritize my time for you because Durban needs you more than it needs my skills, actually and my talent in the workplace. Actually, God, this Durban needs the Spirit of God to come upon people. But actually, are we a people of prayer? I was saying this morning, actually, what should happen in churches? Our prayer meetings should be bigger than our Sunday meetings. And we do all, churches do all they can to get people into their Sunday meetings. Friends, I want to be a church where we do all that we can to get people into our prayer meetings. Because that's where it's going to happen, friends. A people that are hungry for God. A people that will persist with God. 
and, and take on the responsibility to pray into being a partner with God in prayer. I came away from the weekend realizing not only is the gift of tongues an important part of our Christian walk again, and part of my prayer life is to spend significant amounts of time praying in tongues. But not only is the gift of tongues important, but actually a guarded tongue is unbelievably important. By that I mean what comes out of our mouths, friends. James says this, true religion is seen by people having a tight rein over their tongue. With a tongue, if you can bring your tongue under control, it says, you can control your whole body. This much of a muscle or whatever it is, flesh, control can control a whole body. The most difficult thing to come bring under control is what comes out of our mouths because it reflects what's in our heart and what's in our mouths. And actually, friends, God's calling us to be very aware of the conversations we're having, be very aware. Friends, we've got to speak like Jesus really is there. Like the heavenly host is listening to your conversation. If you knew that Jesus was there, would your conversation change? Because he is. The Bible says that God will judge every idle word. So every throwaway word. Every word that doesn't produce anything. That's what idle means. It means it's not working. Any word that just, actually it's going to be, it's going to be judged. Friends, we've got to put a God on our in our mouths and I came away from this weekend just saying God please please help me with my talk let what comes out of my mouth build people up let me not see what people are not doing and call, and call them out on it let me see what people are doing and encourage me, them in it rather let, 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 me, let me not judge let me, let me be somebody that sees the good that sees the evidence of God's grace in people's lives and declares that and, and, and encourages that. Let, me, let what comes out of my mouth be upbuilding and strengthening. And let what comes out of my mouth be your words, Lord. Let me hear you so that I can speak your words that carry your power, that carry your anointing, that build something. I came away from this weekend was so beautiful with just a whole bunch of churches together worshiping on the Sunday night and kind of throughout the weekend. But friends, the unity of the church is unbelievably important in God's eyes. And I want us, you see, and that's so connected with the tongue. If we want to be unified, got to watch what you say about people. You want relationships to be good, watch what comes out your mouth. Because you can't be saying one thing here and having a smiling face there that's not integrity that's disunity even if the people don't know it in the spirit that's disunity that's not oneness of spirit and friends I want to encourage us that actually at every level at every level that we put unity we make unity a priority in our communities in our families across the city and churches Unity is a significant part. It's unity. It's under the unity that God commands a blessing. It's there that Aaron's oil runs from his head to his beard onto his robes. Friends, if we want more of the oil of Jesus, the oil of God, if we want more of the Spirit outpoured, unity is a big thing. 
I came away from this weekend thinking God is doing something significant with our kids. Absolutely significant with our kids. We had kids praying for people this morning. Kids coming up for prayer this morning. We've got kids seeing angels, friends. We've got kids encountering God in profound ways, asking profound questions. God's doing something with our kids. Kids dancing, kids finding expression, kids coming into what God has for them, a place of freedom and safety for them. Friends, our kids are coming into something. And I think they're coming into something so we can learn from them because actually the Bible says that actually we should have a childlike faith. Not a childish faith, but a childlike faith where you just believe it and don't ask so many questions. And actually, there's this incredible thing that God... Friends, not only is that, but the kids are our future. The kids are the next generation and God is forming another generation that they can be what they're called to be. I was reflecting the other day on the book of Daniel with Daniel, Meshach, and Meshach and Abednego. You know, that, those three guys. By all intents and purposes, they were probably 11 or 12 years old. That's, that's my son, Cameron's age, when they were taken into exile. Amazing thing, eh? At 11 or 12 years old, they never lost their intimacy with God, ever. It distinguished them. They had an ability to hear God, to say no to food, to say yes to other food. They continued to pray in their ritual kind of, uh, their, their Jewish roots. They never ever lost that at 11 or 12 years old. Friends, it means this. Their parents put something into them that was profound. I want to, be, I want to learn from their parents. If my kids were taken, think about this. Your kids were taken into exile with the people that don't believe in Jesus. Would they keep their faith at 11 or 12 years old? These kids did. God's doing something with our kids, friends. Profoundly with our kids. God's doing something profound with us, friends. And I trust that there's a growing sense of faith, a growing sense of priority, priority for God, a growing sense of giving yourself to God in these days. Because it's what God's doing. And we're going to believe and trust as a community, as we build community, as we go forward with God, that He's going to do that amongst us in this city, for this nation, and the nations of the world. Let's have a look at Luke chapter 5, just quickly, 15 minutes, 10 minutes. Luke chapter 5 is the story of Jesus teaching at the lakeside. People are pressing into him. He's getting a bit uncomfortable. He's getting crowded. So he sees a boat. He sees a boat standing there and the fishermen had just been fishing all night and they were cleaning their nets but the boat was there and he actually jumped into the boat and started preaching from the boat and teaching from the boat and when I read, when I read that I thought actually how, how amazing that God can use the boat as a pulpit my question to you is are you not seeing the pulpits God's given you because they don't look like one of these because actually every boardroom table is a potential pulpit. Every school whiteboard is a potential book pulpit. Every moment, every cafe table is a potential pulpit. 
Are we, are, we, are we understanding that actually God wants to give us pulpits in the marketplace? Remember, that boat was a marketplace thing. It wasn't a ritual. It wasn't a, a, a temple thing. It was just something. It was somebody's business. God used somebody's business as their pulpit, as his pulpit. And my question to us in this time when God's Spirit is falling on us, He's taking us deeper and He's taking us into more. Are we using all the pulpits He's giving us? Not to Bible bash people, but to in love bring people into more of what God has. Our, our lives are a, are a pulpit, friends. Our lives, in fact, probably speak louder than our words most of the time. Are we living a life that is, that is like a pulpit that Jesus is preaching through? It's a profound thing. Anyway, so he, t- he gets one of these boats. Verse 3 says this in chapter 5. He got into one of the boats, one, the one belonging to Simon, and asked him to put out little from shore. Then he sat down and taught the people from the boat. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, Put out into the deep water and let me let down the nets for a catch. Simon answered, Master, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything. But because you say so, I will let the nets down. When they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. So they signaled their partners and their other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both boats to f- so full that they began to sink. That's profound. When Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me, Father. I'm a sinful man. When last were we so blessed that we reduced to our knees in the holiness of God? Amazing thing. Blessing, extreme blessing, is going to, in these days, bring us to our knees and say, God, we don't deserve this, but you're so good. Something's changing in the way we see things and do things. For he and his companions were astonished at the catch of fish they had taken. And so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, Simon's partners, his business partners, friends. Friends, this is a marketplace. This is a marketplace advocation for actually, are you using your marketplace as a pulpit? So he goes, he he says, yes, you can go. and His partners come into Christ as well. His partners, his business partners. Not his priest partners or religious partners, his business partners. Then Jesus said to Simon, don't be afraid. From now on, you'll catch men. So they pulled their boats up on the shore, left everything, and followed him. It's quite significant, friends, that Peter had seen his mother-in-law healed. Peter had been sitting listening to Jesus from the boat teach. But somehow it hadn't got into his heart. It hadn't touched his heart. But Jesus tells him to put out into the deep waters. He catches this massive load of fish, this miraculous catch of fish. And that's what gets Peter. All of a sudden, Peter's on his knees saying, God, I'm a sinful man. Please help me. Friends, God is going to use the supernatural and signs and wonders to get the attention of Peter's of this world. But friends, the point of life is not the signs, wonders, and miracles. The point of life is ultimately they become followers of Jesus. Because what happens does it absolutely undoes Peter to the point that actually falls on his knees. And he realizes, I don't, I'm, I'm nobody. You everything. I want what you have. Please help me. Peter's listening to the preaching of the fish. God is going to give us moments 
fish moments that are going to preach louder to people than a bunch of sermons can ever do. And we're going to take those moments and we've got to take those people and lead them to Jesus in the season of His outpouring power. Friends, it's quite incredible as well that Peter was happy for Jesus to use his boat for a pulpit, but he wasn't that excited about listening to Jesus' voice to step out into the deep. You know, for some people, it's easier to give money than to give their time. You know, we can give Jesus our stuff because it's kind of there, but actually what Jesus wants is our hearts. What Jesus wants is our hearts. We can be happy for Jesus to use our boat, but unsure about following him into the deep waters. Friends, Jesus is taking us into the deep. Jesus wants us to be in a place where we can't swim. Jesus wants us to be in a place that seemingly doesn't look like the right place. He wants us to be there because he's going to reveal himself to us through wonderful catches of fish, whatever that might be for you. I alluded to it earlier, but I believe in this season what God is going to do, he's going to use the power of blessing to bring people to faith. I feel like we're moving into a season, if this text is for us, where the power of blessing is going to put people to their knees. Not the preaching of fire and brimstone, but actually preaching of the love of God and the blessing of God and showing people the blessing of God. It's going to bring people to their knees. Oh, I'm a sinful man. Friends, have we got space in our minds for that? Have we got space in our minds to think that these people that don't believe in Jesus, that are blaspheming, that are swearing, that are whatever, actually God wants to bless them so significantly that it becomes a holy moment on their knees. That's what happened to Peter. Blessing people into the kingdom. That's quite a unique, a, a new thought for me. I've never thought of that before. Is there a moment where God's going to bless people into the kingdom somehow? Where they're going to realize their sinfulness and their undeservingness of it and come to their knees in repentance? I love that Jesus says to him, Peter, don't be scared, don't fear. You see, God wants to relate to people in his love, not in his fear. We have an awe of God. But friends, we're not to have a terror of God. We're actually meant to receive the love of God. That's the season. It's a season of his love being poured out and untold blessing bringing people to their knees. I really have a sense of that. It's incredible to see Peter looking at Jesus the carpenter with him as Peter the fisherman, thinking, you telling me to put out into the deep. Are you nuts? Listen to me. I know fishing. You don't. You know carpenter. You know woodwork. Not fish. I know fish. And, 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 and Peter gets offended because Jesus is messing with him in an area that he doesn't naturally think that he knows anything about. And he says, then he realizes, actually, hang on, this is Jesus. I better listen to him. So he does it. 
Friends, God in this season is going to require a humility from us like we've never known before. A humility. I said this morning, to me the season is going to demand hunger and humility. Hunger and humility. Hunger meaning a team that doesn't, that's kind of not hungry to win doesn't win. I'm talking about, um, when I say hungry, I'm talking about actually we want more of God and we're not going to give up. We're actually going to keep pressing into more. Because, and if it takes six months and it takes a year, it takes two years, it takes whatever it takes, we're not going to give up. We're going to keep saying, God, we want more. That's what I mean by hunger. But also a sense of humility, where actually I know that whatever comes, I can't do without Him. I'm total dependence, total reliance on Him. Total sense of actually I'm a sinful person outside of your blood cleansing me and making me an acceptable offering to you and putting you back, me back into relationship with you. Hunger and humility is going to mark this next season. And I pray we're getting hunger, hungry. And I pray that God's going to lead us into humility. It's a dangerous prayer to pray. Lord, make me humble. It's a dangerous prayer to pray. I love the fact that Peter had to, couldn't get the job done without his friends, without his partners. I said this morning, actually, I have a dream that we have so many people coming in to our meetings, into our presence, around our dining room tables, that we have to go to Glenwood and say, guys, everybody that comes from Glenwood, I suggest you go to Citygate. Because actually we can't cope with the numbers here. And anybody from Durban North, actually, can you go to Anthem, please? Because we want to bless you. And actually we can't cope with it. And because we need partners in the city to carry the catch that God has for us. Imagine that, friends. Imagine the testimony of that. Where churches are not competing, but they're actually helping each other prosper. It says there, and he blessed all of them. That every church, every community gets blessed because of the catch. This, this, what God's doing, friends, is not for William Branham, one man, or Paul Cain, one gift. Actually, it's about a community carrying the presence of God into the city. Everybody carrying it, everybody nurturing it, everybody stewarding it, everybody stepping into more, everybody hungry, everybody hum- humble, and trusting God for more. And lastly, what you see from this is they left everything and followed Him. You see, friends, I love what Dave just said. He said the most meaningful thing over the last little while was getting around with eight people and teaching them about Jesus and walking with them in Jesus. Friends, no matter what we do, how clever we are, how many people we have, if they're not actually following Jesus, we've missed the boat. Excuse the pain. We've completely missed the boat. Actually, what this results in, what this incredible catch of fish does, what this hunger and what this humility translates to is men and women with a passion for Jesus, with a priority for Jesus, with people that drop everything and follow Him into what we've called, called you to do. A passion for Jesus, where we glorify Jesus, where we live intimate with Jesus, where we be, we be, be with Jesus and we become like Jesus and we do the things that Jesus did. Ultimately, that's where it's got to land, friends. And that's what God wants to land this season in, is in a, a radical sense of discipleship, a radical sense of following Jesus and learning from Jesus. It's incredible that at that moment, Jesus didn't say, listen, you need to go to disciple school. Just go and sign up there for two years and then catch me after two years. 
You see, the way Jesus teaches these unschooled, ordinary men is he journeys with them in life and teaches them through the lessons of life how to rely on God and how to see differently and how to change their lives. Friends, that's the way God disciples the church. Not through seminaries. I thank God for seminaries. And I thank God for what we can learn in academia because actually those men and women that are set aside for that are to to teach the church. But actually the church's job, friends, elders like me, Drew, Graham, Ray, Christian, and our wives and all of it, friends, our job, friends, is to make disciples, is to take a church on a journey in following Jesus in a profound way. Jesus was the greatest fisherman of all. Fisherman, fisherman of men, fisher of men. But yet he says, I want to make you a fisher of men. If I was Jesus, I'd just do it myself. If I had the capacity that Jesus did, but he didn't. He wants us to be them. So he says, actually, I'm going to delegate my authority, my anointing, my spirit, so that you can become fishers of men. God, help us in this next season. Keep us hungry, keep us humble, and let us follow you persistently with priority and purpose. Let us not wander left and right. Let us walk straight down the road of what you have for us in Jesus' name. Amen.